Today we continue in the narrative lectionary. And last week we heard the story of the call of David as a king over Israel. And uh, for today we've actually skipped all of David's reign and we're going to be focusing in on the, his son Solomon. But one thing that's important to note for our story today is that um, David, as part of his leadership, really brought the Hebrew people together. And he also made Jerusalem uh, the capital and kind of the religious and political uh, center of Israel. And so one of the things that David did was a lot of building in Jerusalem, including building himself a house. And he, it was after he built his own house that he uh, realized, maybe I should build a house for God. And so David comes to God and says, I'm going to build you a house or a temple. And God says, actually, I don't want you to build me a house. Uh, I'm going to build you a house, meaning a dynasty. And God went on to promise that David's descendants would always be on the throne in Israel. And so um, then God went on to say that it would be David's son that would actually build a temple. So today we're going to hear the fulfillment of that promise uh, in David's son, Solomon. And Solomon, you probably have heard before, he was well known for being uh, both very wise and also very wealthy. And so in the story this morning, uh, Solomon sets out to build this lavish temple for God. Now for a people who had spent generations wandering in the wilderness and trying to establish themselves, uh, the temple was a great sign of permanence and stability. And yet, as we'll uh, see, God's power and glory is bigger, is bigger yet and cannot be contained uh, by any one building. So let us listen for the word of God. Our reading today is from 1 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, and chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. Hiram, king of Tyre, sent ambassadors to Solomon when he heard that Solomon had been crowned king in David's place. Hiram had loved David his whole life. Solomon responded, saying, You know that David, my father, was not able to build a temple in honor of God because of the wars he had to fight on all sides, until God finally put them down. But now God has provided peace all around, no one against us, nothing at odds with us. Now here is what I want to do. Build a temple in honor of God, my God, following the promise that God gave to David, my father, namely, your son, whom I will provide to succeed you as king, he will build a house in my honor. King Solomon called in the leaders of Israel, all the heads of the tribes and the family patriarchs, to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of God from Zion, the city of David. And they came all Israel before King Solomon in the month of Ethanim, the seventh month, for the great autumn festival. With all Israel's leaders present, the priests took up the Ark of God and carried up the Ark and the Tent of Meeting and all the holy vessels that went with the tent. King Solomon and the entire congregation of Israel were there at the Ark, worshiping and sacrificing huge numbers of sheep and cattle, so many that no one could keep track. Then the priests brought the Ark of the Covenant of God to its place in the inner sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, under the wings of the cherubim. The outspread wings of the cherubim stretched over the Ark and its poles. The poles were so long that the ends could be seen from the entrance to the inner sanctuary, but were not noticeable from further out. They're still there today. 
There was nothing in the ark but the two stone tablets that Moses had placed in it at Horeb, where God made a covenant with Israel after bringing them up from Egypt. When the priests left the holy place, a cloud filled the temple of God. The priests couldn't carry out their priestly duties because of the cloud. The glory of God filled the temple of God. Then Solomon spoke. God has told us that God lives in the dark when no one can see God. I've built this splendid temple, O God, for your invisible presence to dwell forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Will you join me in a spirit of prayer? O gracious God, be with us this day and open our eyes and our minds and our hearts to hear you calling to us. Fill us with your spirit this day. And we pray this in your name, O Christ. Amen. Uh, my friend and colleague, uh, Tara Wilkins, who serves up at Bridgeport UCC in Northeast Portland, tells me uh, that she ends every one of her services with a joint refrain, where she invites her congregation to say, we don't go to church, we are the church. It's their way of each week remembering that they are more than uh, just the building. They are more than just what they do on a Sunday morning, but it's who they are and it's how they live in the world uh, that makes them the church. It's an interesting question, what is church? And it's something that we've had to ponder in new ways uh, during these last 20 months or so of pandemic. What is the church? Is it a building? Is it people? Is it an event or what we do? Or is it somehow uh, D, all of the above? This last year and a half has really given us time to reconsider uh, what church is and what church means to us and what, what about church speaks to us. And I think there's certainly something that, that says that church is a physical place or there's a, there's a physicality to it. I was reminded of this a few years ago when I was in Atlanta for a conference and I went to my childhood church, All Saints Episcopal Church. I was there over a weekend and went to worship and it's this beautiful stone church right in downtown Atlanta near office towers and their equivalent of a TriMet station. And I can remember walking into the doors and suddenly feeling like I was eight years old again. They had the same uh, high, beautiful ceilings, the, the red paint on the walls that went all the way up with little gold crosses uh, embossed on them. And I remember just spending hours staring at that ceiling as a kid when I didn't understand anything else that was going on in the service that was just that beauty to remind me. And there was something that was uh, holy about being in that space that felt like home, that God's presence was still there, even though I didn't really know any of the people anymore, even though it had been years since I had ever robed up and accoladed down the aisle, um, it was still a holy place. And I think in our scripture this morning, uh, Solomon is setting out to make a holy place, that he builds this uh, lavish, really not even a place, but a palace 
for God that is made out of the finest building materials of the time, the cedars from Lebanon, the, the marble from the quarries, gold and bronze. And it is big and beautiful. And the idea is that when you come in, you know you are in a holy place. The dedications that, that's described in our reading, the pomp and the circumstance, you can imagine a sort of a royal wedding today just supersized with um, parades and music and incense and offerings. And uh, as they came into this building, they carried the Ark of the Covenant, which was their most holy object. It was this chest that had sort of been with them in the desert when they were wandering. It's In it were the tablets that Moses was to have received the Ten Commandments on. And it was where God showed up for them. And so by building this temple and bringing this holy ark into uh, this, this temple, they were giving God a place to, to be and to reign and a place for people to come as a locus of worship, to show up and be in God's presence and be with each other and grow closer to God. And God showed up. God showed up in this wild way in this story where God comes as a cloud and the glory shows and it's so big that even the priests have to leave the temple. It's too holy even for them. And it's a way even in the story of Solomon building this temple, even Solomon recognizes a temple can't contain God. God's spirit is still bigger and more mysterious than any one building can hold. And yet there is power in place. And this is something that we've realized, I think, as a church, these last 20 months since we've been together, is uh, for many of us, there is a part of us that is really missing our building. We're missing this space. Even though we know there's lots of other ways to be the church, there is something sacred about being here. And it's been hard because we haven't been able to sing together at the piano with Gary at the helm. We haven't been able to uh, light our prayer candles and hear each other's verbal prayers every week. We haven't been able to turn and give each other a hug and a handshake and pass the peace. We haven't been able to share the same loaf and cup and receive and give communion. And um, there's a part of this that is it's a loss because for many of us, this is a holy place and a holy space. And I saw this again last weekend when we had our children's chapel and it was raining so hard outside that we brought the kids in for the chapel part. And one of the things that they loved the best was they came up and they got to light a candle out of the prayer bowl. And just that practice of lighting a candle and speaking their prayer was a holy moment for them and for all of us who were sitting here. So there is a way that the church is definitely uh, a building. But we also know that the church is the people. It's us. It's you and me. And that's one of the things we've learned again in these 20 months, that, that we don't have to necessarily be in the same space to still be the church, that we can be connected on Zoom. We can be connected through a chat box. We can be connected um, even in the ways that we call each other or email each other or just see each other on the screen. That it is so much about the people and it's about who we are and how we show up for each other. Uh, that we are indeed the church as uh, 
my friend Reverend Tara says. We also know that uh, church is not only a building or more than a building, and it's not only the people, but I also think it is what we do in the world. It is an event. It is how we carry ourselves in the world. And again, in the last 20 months, we've had just a, a, a really wonderful, um, sometimes challenging ways to think about how are we the church, and yet we've done it in some really incredible ways. Vicki highlighted some of these in her moment for generosity last week, but I want to highlight a few more because I think it's so important when we look back and we think about how we've been able to still have worship services on YouTube, on Zoom. We've had people step up and help us with the technology, including our awesome staff who've learned how to record uh, music in their home studio. Beth, who has put together our, um, our, and edited our, our services every week. Um, we have been able to connect over Zoom for coffee hour, for um, Zoom tales, for times of just fellowship and gathering together and connecting with each other just so we can see each other and remember our connections to each other. We've held weekly centering prayer and Bible study on Zoom. We've had book discussions and uh, just opportunities to view movies and talk to each other and continue to grow in our faith. Sojourners uh, has gathered weekly, first online, now they're back in person, supporting each other in their lives and in their journeys of faith. Um, our faith development team has provided uh, church in a box uh, over the last year. Todd and Donna Sweetland put over 800 miles on their car delivering Church in the Box to all of our families uh, throughout Metro Portland. And now we've uh, started up these children's chapels, which is a wonderful way to connect our families together. We've shown up for each other with rides, with food, with cards, with Advent bags and Lenten bags. And we've continued our missions giving and our actions. We've collected um, clothes for night watch and backpacks for school kids and cleaning kits for refugee families. And in this last year, in these last 20 months, we have marched and we have protested and we have participated in silent walks and we've served in so many community and conference capacities and volunteered at so many area organizations. And all of this while we haven't even been in our building. And even while our building has been for the most part empty, there has still been stuff happening in our building. Uh, we've been able to renovate the Weidman Room. We've had gardeners working on our grounds, folks pulling ivy in the back, and our own St. Kurt Munson, who's been doing all kinds of upgrades around the building. He's been uh, installing cabinets, striping our parking lot, uh, putting in hand sanitizer for when we return. And all of this is possible because of you and because of the church. And I'm just so grateful for a community that cares so deeply about each other, who understands that, yes, we are a building, but we are also more than a building and we are out in the world. And um, this is really possible because one of the spirit, God's spirit, who is alive and in us and 
moving through us and that mystery that still comes to us and inspires us and challenges us and moves us to try new things. And it's also possible because of all of you and because of your generosity of, of time and of talent and of treasure and of willing to try new things and go with the flow and offer the gifts that you have been given. And so I'm grateful that here we do take a large understanding of what it means to be the church and how we're called to be the church in the world. In just a few minutes, we're gonna hear from our treasurer, Amy O, who's going to give an update on our finances and then she's gonna lay out um, our narrative budget, which is our hopes and dreams uh, for what we want to do as a church in the year ahead. And as we look to the year ahead, we know we are entering a time of discernment, of really listening and wondering who is it that God is calling us to be? How are we called to be the church in this time, in this place, in this era? How are we called to be a church through our building? How are we called to be a church as a people? And how are we called to be a church in how we carry ourselves and how we live out our faith beyond these walls in the wider community. Some of the things that we know is that um, we have this wonderful building and we're being called into the 21st century. And so in order to do our hybrid worship, there are some upgrades we need to make to our technology uh, here in the sanctuary. We also want our building to be inclusive and welcoming and safe for everybody who comes in. And that's one of the reasons we have a focus on uh, gender neutral bathrooms this year. Because the church is also people, we know that we need opportunities and ways to reconnect with each other, especially as we come back in person. And so this year we are listening for and planning some ways to help us regather in person, share our stories with each other about what we have experienced during the season of pandemic and how the spirit is moving in and through our lives. And because we know the church and God are also beyond our walls, we are paying attention this year to what are the needs beyond our own community? What are the ways that we are being to call, called to serve uh, the people and the needs here in Lake Oswego and, and Metro Portland? And what are the ways that we can continue to be the church, including uh, using our building and using the gifts that have been given to us um, to serve and be the church in the wider community. Um, and then I think one more thing I just want to say in relation to this text is another, another way that we want to think about our building is also um, listening for the story of our building and um, whose land was this on? And what were the native peoples like who lived here before us? Who were the people who helped to found our church? And what stories um, from their lives might inform us about how we live today? One of the things that was omitted in our reading this morning, which is an important detail, is that in order to build this lavish temple that Solomon did, he actually built it on the backs of slave labor. He uh, forced uh, some of the indigenous people and uh, some of the Israelites into uh, forced labor. And so it took seven years and, and built uh, by a lot of people who didn't really have a choice. And so this is a piece of the story that is left out in our lectionary. And so it invites us to really think about in our own church's story, what pieces might be left out? 
um, who, who might have been impacted by the building of this building in this place. And so that also helps inform how we live and be the church in the world today. There are so many ways to be the church, um, in the building, through the building, beyond the building, and so many ways that God is calling us to live out our faith as people and through the ways that we live and move in the world. So again, I want to thank you for your generosity of time, talent, and treasure, and thank you for the ways that you are listening for God and the ways that we will be listening together uh, for how God is calling us uh, to be the church in the world today. Amen.